This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, November the 20th, 2023. It is Thanksgiving week, the holiday season just about to get underway. The mob scenes on the roads and the airports uh, probably about 24 hours away. You know, that's one of the the things with uh, the economy getting better, the gas prices down, um, the new kind of dynamic we have with work. People can actually leave early for Thanksgiving, work remotely from wherever they're going for Thanksgiving. So you've got people taking off earlier and earlier uh, for the Thanksgiving holidays now. So uh, uh, if, if you're traveling, stay safe. And uh, uh, I am not traveling. My wife and I are going to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We're going to do something we have never done. We're going out for dinner. Uh, we are not cooking Thanksgiving dinner this year. Um, the kids aren't going to be here. So uh, we are. Uh, we have found a restaurant uh, in Hiawassee, Georgia, not far from us, and uh, it is going to be a, uh, a beautiful Thanksgiving. I, don't, I actually love clean i mean to cook i hate to clean i hate it so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to not having to worry about uh that part uh as you heard on the news prior to the start of the show uh, rosalind carter passed away yesterday at the age of 96 um you know um i i think jimmy carter gets a a bad rap a lot of times um as president, he was not. I don't think he was as bad a president as everybody thinks. I think uh, the whole Iran hostage thing and the debacle when they tried to rescue them. I, I, I think that uh, he gets a lot more um, uh, blame for some of that stuff than he should. Uh, but uh, as Joe Biden said yesterday, uh, one of the things that was great about the Carters as president was that they they brought a lot of grace. Uh, to that office and they continued to bring grace uh, they were you know probably more known for what they did after uh, Jimmy Carter left the office than uh, when he was in um, all the work they've done over the years for Habitat for Humanity and uh, they have done so many things to try to make this world a better place and uh, good people and they were married for 77 years you know and uh, that's <laughs> it's a staggering number you know, uh, I think about my my father didn't even live to be 77 years old, and they, they've been married that long. It's uh, pretty amazing. Um, but uh, 96 years old, uh, of course, her husband, Jimmy Carter, is still alive. President Carter uh, is in hospice care, has been since February. This is one of those cases where, uh, you know, you figure that uh, when the longtime spouse dies, the other one may not be far away. And uh, sad to say, you know, that may happen with Jimmy Carter, but uh, uh, two good human beings say what you want about their politics at the end of the day um uh, rosalind carter and jimmy carter were great human beings 
are, you know, and Jimmy Carter continues to be a great human being. Uh, and I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, no matter what we do, uh, if somebody can say you were a good person, that's what matters. You know what I mean? It, it you know, uh, it doesn't matter what you, your profession is. At the end of the day, it's who you are as a person, I think, that matters. And, and I think Rosalind Carter and Jimmy Carter have uh, exemplified that uh, in their lives. So uh, uh, rest in peace. 96 years old. That's a hell of a run. It's hard to be sad when somebody dies at 96. You know, I mean, it's because talk about living a full life, you know, and uh, not many of us get uh, the uh, the privilege of living uh, for that long. So uh, uh, but uh, that uh, sad news yesterday uh, or, or or not sad news, I guess, depending on how you look at it, she had dementia. And, and uh, again, 96 years old, it's hard to be sad, um, but you feel badly for President Carter. Uh, before we get to all the football stuff uh, from yesterday, uh, uh, some Things to talk about in Major League Baseball. One of the big names on the free agent market this year uh, for baseball was going to be Aaron Nola from the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, the Phillies made sure that that is not going to be an issue. They signed Nola yesterday to a seven-year contract. He's 30 years old. He's getting a seven-year deal for $172 million. So is he essentially he's getting twenty five million dollars a year to stay with the Phillies, you know, and and that's a good chunk of change for a guy. When you look at it, yes, he was twelve and nine, but he had an ERA in the mid fours this year. He made thirty two starts. You know, the one thing about him that you like is that he's he eats innings. He pitched one hundred ninety three innings, and in this day and age, that's a lot of innings. You don't see a lot of pitchers getting uh, close to two hundred innings. Um, so, you know, he had 202 strikeouts and 193 innings, but he, you know, he pitches to contact, you know, he does strike guys out, but he gives up a lot of hits. So, um, good for him. I mean, you know, I, I kind of, I was hoping the Red Sox would pursue him, but, uh, uh, good for him, uh, for his career, uh, in nine years, 90 wins, 71 losses, a three, seven, two ERA. Uh, the, the problem with Nola is that you look at his numbers, the ERA numbers, trending up uh his his era in 2021 was 463 as i said this year it was 446 um you know and and so you know you worry a little bit about that but uh with the free agent market being what it is for pitchers it, it they needed to keep him you know that was a big part of that phillies rotation Um, and then the other thing that happened this week in the deadline uh, came for teams to make some decisions on what they wanted to do um, about arbitration-eligible players. And some notable names got cut loose. Brandon Woodruff was cut loose by the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, normally you'd say, what, what are they thinking? Well, of course, Woodruff's 30 years old. He's been an all-star a couple of times, but he is going to miss – Probably the entire 2024 season, he had surgery last month on his throwing shoulder. So, you know, anybody that wants to sign him knows that you essentially don't have him for next year, which, of course, is the same thing is going to be the case with Shohei Otani, although he'll still be able to be a designated hitter. Um, But that's a big name, and he's going to get signed, you know, and it's probably going to be an incentive-laden deal. 
But any team that is desperate for pitching, i.e. the Boston Red Sox, to me makes it less likely that they would go after a guy like Woodruff. Now, if you can get some kind of uh, team-friendly deal, maybe you do. Maybe you do. Um, I don't know. I guess it would depend on how big the number is. Um, but it's certainly worth looking into. Uh, former American League Rookie of the Year Kyle Lewis was cut loose by Arizona. Um, Nick Senzel, who was the number two pick um, back in uh, 2016, was let go by the Cincinnati Reds. Um, Daniel Vogelbach let go by the Mets. That's not such a big one. But uh, uh, we've seen that. The, the Red Sox had a decision to make on Luis uh, Arias. They decided to ship him off in a trade. Uh, to the Seattle Mariners for right-handed pitcher Isaiah Campbell, who uh, had a pretty good year last year. Limited innings, but his numbers looked very, very good. Um, so, uh, you know, that that's good. The, the Atlanta Braves have shipped off a bunch of players. Uh, Mike Soroka, Nick, Nicky Lopez, Kyle Wright, Nick Anderson, all guys that were eligible for arbitration. They shipped off Wright and Anderson to the Kansas City Royals, and Soroka and Nicky Lopez went to the White Sox. Uh, and that White Sox deal is a good one for the Braves. They got back left-handed reliever Aaron Bummer. They needed a good left-hander right in that bullpen, and uh, that was a good move for them. So a lot of uh, motion in baseball, of course. Uh, everybody wants to know what's going to happen next. Obviously, the big name is uh, the kid Yamamoto, the pitcher from Japan. Everybody wants him. The Red Sox are high on that list. And, of course, uh, uh, the Mets have checked in on him. The Phillies supposedly are in on him as well. The Yankees, uh, he's going to get a lot of money. He's going to get a lot. He's young. Um, this is a guy in Japan, and I, and I know it's Japanese baseball, but he gave up two home runs. He only gave up two home runs in 171 innings last year in Japan. Uh, now, whether he can replicate that in the United States or not, we'll have to see. But uh, that is uh, pretty impressive. So uh, that's the big name out there. And then after that, if you're the Red Sox, uh, you know, guys like Blake Snell are still out there. Uh, uh, Sonny Gray is out there. Um, uh, Jordan Montgomery from the Texas Rangers. You know, the, the problem with guys like Montgomery – um, and Sonny Gray is they pitch to contact too much for me. You know, the Red Sox need guys, you know, they need some strikeout guys. So uh, we'll see, but uh, it is the hot stove is starting to heat up now that uh, the arbitration-eligible deadline has passed, and, and now we'll see where uh, teams go from there. Uh, Yamamoto, I believe, gets posted today. So uh, let the bidding begin. That should be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, college football, a lot of uh, – uh, Interesting things happening this weekend. Ohio State jumps ahead of Michigan in the top 25 poll um, simply because Michigan struggled a little bit against Maryland. I think they, they struggled a lot more uh, than people expect, expected. Uh, Florida State beat up on North Alabama but dropped to number five in the poll, and they are in big trouble because they lost their quarterback, uh, Jordan Travis, this weekend. He left the game in the first quarter, uh, and if you saw this, it was one of those cringeworthy moments where you kind of like, Whoa, you know, it was almost made you sick a little bit. Uh, his lower left leg uh, was at a very bad angle, so uh, you worry about uh, his health. He is, I guarantee you, he's not playing for the rest of the year, and you hope it's not something that's going to uh, 
affect his career going forward. But so Florida State uh, drops to number five. So your top four right now in the poll, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, of course, that Michigan-Ohio State game coming up this weekend. Despite the fact that Ohio State jumped ahead of Michigan in the poll, Michigan is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, at least an early two-and-a-half-point favorite for that game this weekend. Uh, of course, they will still be without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. I don't, and I don't know how much of a difference Harbaugh being not being on the sideline against Maryland uh, mattered this week. I think it was more of uh, there may just be more uh, questions with Michigan just with all the, the stuff swirling around. That gets to teams, whether you think it does or not. Um, I'm sure that that affected uh, the concentration level of some of their players. But anyway, so uh, Florida State drops to five. Oregon uh, with a big win this weekend is up to number six. Uh, and then your uh, uh, then it's Texas, Alabama, Louisville, uh, Missouri moves up uh, to number 11. Uh, James Madison lost its first game of the season. They got knocked off by Appalachian State. Um, and uh, they fall to 10-1. and one. Liberty won again, so... Liberty is uh, uh, 11-0. and 0. How about that? So we have six uh, undefeated teams in Division One college football, and the first five are uh, in the top five in the poll, and uh, Liberty is down at number 22. They move up from number 25. Um, you know, and they, uh, they're not going to get a major bowl game, but maybe they, you know, they might be that uh, that team that's outside of the uh, the Power Five that gets the highest ranking. So we we shall see. I'm a big fan, by the way, of Oregon. I know they lost to Washington earlier in the season, but man, they are so good, so good. Um, that would to me, that's a team that uh, if you're one of those top five teams and somebody stumbles, Oregon could jump into that top four. I think very very easily. Um, you know, and, uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, Florida, that injury, um, uh, to the Florida state quarterback might make a difference. I, you know, and I, I, that Washington game was a winnable one for Oregon. Uh, so, so there's still some game, big games left to be played. And I'd love to see Oregon jump into that top four. Cause I think, uh, they've got an opportunity. Uh, that offense is just so good. Their quarterback threw six touchdown passes in the first half this week. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, the question there is, can they stop anybody? But uh, anyway, so that's where we're at as far as college football goes. The NFL and uh, some wild, wild finishes this week. I mean, it was there were teams that looked like they were dead, you know, and uh, come back to win late. The Rams come back uh, to win their game very late um, when it looked like uh, they were toast. Uh, the Detroit Lions were down by uh, you know double digits in the second half, scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to come back and win that game. Just crazy. Uh, and then there was the final game last night. And I have to be honest, I wasn't really excited about this game last night. The only compelling thing to me about that game last night was the fact that the Broncos are starting to play better. And you start looking at them going, hmm, you know, maybe Sean Payton had a point. We mentioned this with Dan Zampano uh, on Friday's show. You know, maybe maybe when Sean Payton made those comments in the preseason, and, you know, look, they were uh, probably ill-advised because, you know, when when you come in and you, and you, uh, you take over a team, you know, is there really a reason to, <laughs> to trash the outgoing administration, as it were, and uh, tell you know, tell everybody, yeah, well, you know, they sucked. 
because that's what he did. He, he looked like an ass, to be honest with you, uh, the way he handled the preseason. But this Denver Broncos team has now won four in a row after upsetting the Minnesota Vikings last night. Uh, and, and, yes, I know that the Vikings, um, you know, are working with a, a guy that uh, just joined the team a few weeks ago. But, you know, that's still a very – well, I shouldn't say a very, very good Minnesota. It's still a pretty good Minnesota team. Uh, Josh Dobbs last night threw for 221 yards. Uh, Madison ran the ball well. Chandler ran the ball well. I mean, Minnesota ran all over Denver last night. The problem was it was late in the game when Minnesota had to make plays. That Denver defense was all over Dobbs. Now, they only sacked him twice in the game. But the number of times that he was hurried, hit, et cetera, um, especially in that fourth quarter, was huge. And you don't know. I mean, well, no, I do know. There's no doubt in my mind that what happened late in that game last night, because the game was in Denver, there is no doubt in my mind that the altitude played a factor in that game last night. When you don't play in that on a regular basis, it is very, very difficult to sustain your energy level. I've talked about this before. Um, I remember back uh, when I was working um, at Central Connecticut State University, we went out to play the Air Force Academy, which is in Colorado Springs, up in the altitude in Denver, or, you know, in, the, in, the, in Colorado. And I remember going out there, and we came out, and we blew Air Force's doors off in the first half, led by 20 points at halftime against Air Force. Lost the game in overtime because we completely ran out of gas in the second half. You could see guys were laboring. And you could see that last night with the Minnesota Vikings. There was no doubt in my mind that that defensive front for the Denver Broncos was much fresher than the offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings in the fourth quarter. And they were all over Josh Dobbs. And by the way, what a catch for Cortland Sutton. I don't know if you saw this uh, highlight, but with a minute left, uh, Russell Wilson got hit as he threw the ball. He throws it to the back of the end zone. Cortland Sutton basically just goes up and uh, out jumps the defender and comes down with a 15-yard touchdown pass. Uh, they try for the two. They don't get it. Um, but they win the game 21-20. to And Russell Wilson, 27-35, of one touchdown, no interceptions. You know, and this is a guy that has been much maligned, and rightly so, but he came up big for them last night. And now the Broncos, look, you know, I do I think that they are going to make the playoffs? No, um, but they're in the hunt, you know, and there's so many teams, you know, with Pittsburgh losing yesterday, um, you know, the Colts are on a, a razor's edge. Buffalo is, you know, on a razor's edge. The Jets losing yesterday kind of takes them out of it. So, you know, they're in the mix. They're in the mix. Um, and with Sean Payton as their coach, if he can continue to get the buy-in from Russell Wilson that he appears to be getting right now, then maybe they've got a shot. We'll find out. We're going to learn a lot about that Denver team 
uh, this coming weekend. They host the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Browns are without Deshaun Watson for the rest of the season. They came out with a win yesterday. The Browns are now 7-3. and three. But they've got to go out to Denver. And, you know, the, the thing is, the difference with the Vikings and the Browns, as far as opponents goes, is that Browns defense is just stifling. Um, but if they can beat Cleveland, and then Cleveland falls to seven and four, that would put Denver at six and five. Now there's only a game difference. Who knows? You know. And look, we know what kind of a coach Sean Payton is. He's had a lot of success when he was with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, so I'm not ready to count them out yet. Uh, as far as the Vikings go, um, that loss puts them at six and five. The the benefit that the Vikings have is they're playing the NFC. Uh, there is so much mediocrity in the NFC. In the NFC, it's it's not even funny. Uh, I thought Seattle, you know, was exposed. Um, I thought that, you know, outside of Dallas and Philly uh, in the East and San Francisco in the West, there's no good teams. So I think the Minnesota Vikings are still going to make the playoffs, um, and uh, they've got would be a win. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's not the end of the road for the Vikings. But uh, that was a tough loss for them last night, no question about it. But give uh, Sean Payton and that Denver defense a lot of credit for the way that game ended because, uh, uh, look, uh, Minnesota still had over a minute to play uh, after that Denver touchdown, and that defense did not allow them to get that ball over midfield. As a matter of fact, caused, uh, forced an uh, intentional grounding play late in that game, which made a fourth and 25, and you know you knew the game was over then. But uh, a great job uh, by that Denver defense last night. It is 28 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call. Uh, you know, it's kind of the way and their football season has been meh. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it was a great finish last night uh, to get into football season too much because there's no... You know, I mean, there's no great evil team, you know, no super powerful team to root against. Um, I mean, I guess you could say the Philadelphia Eagles, but I still think that they're, uh, you know, watching Jalen Hurts lately, the way he's been kind of limping around, uh, they're a uh, injury away from not being a very good team. The Lions are eight and two, but you know, it's uh, you know, it, it's weird. So it's it's been, eh, you know. Um, and, you know, speaking of the Lions, I mean, they're 8-2, and two, but yesterday was a perfect example. You know, you at 8-2, and two, you're thinking, this is a powerhouse team. And don't get me wrong, the Lions are a good team. But, you know, they were down 12. They had to towards Chicago 17-6 in the fourth quarter to win this game. That shouldn't be the case. And if not for a couple of questionable decisions um, by the Bears coaching staff, you know, you wonder if they would have had a chance to win this game. You know, there were two times uh, in this game where the Bears decided to kick field goals when they had a couple of um, fourth and shorts. They had a fourth and one at the Lions 23 and decided not to try for the first down and kick the field goal. If you're if you're Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, right? And you're looking at your the standings and you realize that your team is 3 and 7. What 
do you have to lose by gambling? You know, I mean, that's the perfect time. Why not? You know, and there was another time they were down at the Lions 21. They had a fourth and then three, I think. Again, you know, why not take the gamble? I mean, this is in the fourth quarter, right? And why not go for the kill? You know, because that first field goal puts you up puts you up nine. It's still only a two-score game, right? You know, to me, you just – you got to – you got to go for the jugular when you have an opportunity and you're down in the standings. But that's why the Bears are where the Bears are. Uh, the good news is if you're a Bears fan, uh, Justin Fields played pretty good. I mean, look, um, he hadn't played in a month, right? And threw for 169 yards and a touchdown, didn't throw any interceptions. He ran for 100 yards, 18 times for 104 yards. I mean, look, he was pretty good. You know, and considering how well he was playing, that's what makes kind of the decision to go for the field goals in the fourth quarter when you had a chance to put this game on ice uh, a little bit more questionable. But look, give the Lions credit. Jared Goff stunk. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. Yes, okay, he threw a couple of late touchdowns. The first time the Lions have been 8-2 since 1962. Think about that for a minute. That's how bad that franchise has been. Uh, and, and pretty well. I expect that they will beat Green Bay. The game is in Detroit. It's a traditional Thanksgiving Day game. Uh, and the Bears will play at Minnesota on Monday night. But What a terrible Monday night game that is. Um, but that was the over-under for that Pittsburgh-Cleveland game was 30. And uh, on that last drive, he completed four straight passes to set up that field goal. And uh, good for him. Uh, you know, look, his numbers weren't great. Uh, 24 for 43. Didn't throw a touchdown pass. He threw an interception. You know, his numbers weren't great, but he was good when they needed him to be. And that Cleveland defense was unbelievable. Uh, at one point in the first quarter, I think Pittsburgh had negative yards. And if you're Pittsburgh, there has to be there has to start being some questions about whether Kenny Pickett is the guy in Pittsburgh. You know, and, and you know, we, we mentioned this on Friday with Dan. You know, it's amazing to me that Pittsburgh fans aren't killing Pickett as much as they should, should be. He was 15 for 28 through a, for 106 yards. Now, did he turn the ball over? No. He's, you know, the one thing that Kenny Pickett has generally done is not turn the ball over and he's been able to control uh, you know, the game as best he can. And that's why they're still over 500 at 6 and 4. But this Pittsburgh offense is awful. With the exception of a 74-yard run by Jalen Warren, this Pittsburgh offense did nothing. If you take away that one run, they had 170 yards of offense for the entire game, with the exception of that 74-yard run. You know, they were 3 for 14 on third down. It was just brutal. They had 12 first downs the entire game. You know, you look at the offensive numbers and you go, well, there's no way they should have won that game. And they didn't, you know. Uh Look, without Deshaun Watson, 
you know, if they've got Deshaun, a healthy Deshaun Watson, if they still had a healthy Nick Chubb, which obviously he's out for the entire year, but if they still had him, this is a different-looking Cleveland team. You know, and I don't know that Dorian Thompson-Robinson is going to be able to sustain uh, what Cleveland's doing, but right now they are sitting at 7-3, and three, and that defense is going to keep them in games. They're not going to get blown out. They have given up, on average, the fourth-fewest points in football this year. You know, so the defense will keep a minute. Uh, look, they've got to play at Denver, and, you know, it's going to be interesting, like I said, to see how they handle that altitude. But as good as Russell Wilson has been playing, um, he's going to face a very good defense in Denver, and it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that. And as far as the Steelers go, uh, look, they've got to go play Cincinnati. And normally you would say, uh-oh, uh, but Cincinnati without Joe Burrow is a problem. So you would think that Pittsburgh can beat them, but I don't know. I, You know, look, um, I think there has to be some serious soul-searching in Pittsburgh this year about what they do with that quarterback position going forward. Because uh, I watched that entire game yesterday. And and I have watched Kenny Pickett three or four times this year, and there is no doubt in my mind that he cannot be the guy going forward. He just can't be. Uh, a game I did not watch uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, it was two bad teams, and I was just like, yeah, this, you know, there's no way I'm watching this. The New York Giants – Pull off the upset. Uh, the Washington Commanders going into this game against the New York Giants were nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Now, the game was in Washington. I get that. But how in the hell are the Washington Commanders a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over anybody? Seriously. You know, and, and I I know they had the, you know, the Giants have the rookie quarterback and Tommy DeVito and yada, yada. I get all that. But... <laughs> That was the Giants beat the Commanders yesterday, thirty-one to nineteen. Tommy DeVito threw for two hundred forty-six yards and three touchdowns, no interception. Now he got sacked nine times, nine. That is unbelievable. By the way, uh, DeVito still lives with his parents in Cedar Grove, New Jersey. <laughs> I mean, he's a local kid. Good for him. You know, I mean, it's a great story. But, you know, and if you're a Patriot fan, you're thrilled because now the Giants have three wins. And if the Giants beat the Patriots, this is a race for the bottom. Because right now the Patriots are in a position to have either the number two or number three pick in the upcoming NFL draft. And at this point, what else do you have to hang your hat on if you're a Patriot fan, right? So you become a big you almost you're almost begging for the Giants to beat the Patriots when they play this coming Sunday. <laughs> Honest to God, and the Commanders they're going to get hammered. They're playing the Cowboys uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and you know, forget it. I mean, that's not even going to be a game. Uh, the Cowboys, you know, yesterday uh, danced all over uh, Carolina. 
as everybody expected that they would. They win 33-10. to 10. Uh, Carolina is going to have the number one pick in the upcoming draft uh, again. Oh, and actually they won't. Now they think about it. It means the Bears are going to get the number one pick. I forgot about that uh, because they traded away their number one pick. But, you know, Jesus, I mean, they are just uh, brutal. And you wonder whether Frank Reich will survive just one year there. The same thing is when you take a look now at what's going on in Tennessee and the fact that the Tennessee Titans are 3-7, and seven, whether Mike Vrabel will survive in Tennessee now. Uh, I think it would be a grave mistake, a grave mistake, if Tennessee fired Mike Vrabel. If they have any intelligence, they won't do that. I think he's one of the best coaches in football. But and you can and you know you can't even hang this on the you know uh, the injury to their quarterback and the fact that you know Will Levis is their quarterback. Look, Will Levis was you know I mean they only allowed him to throw 17 passes yesterday, but he was 13 for 17 for 158 yards and two touchdowns. The problem with the Titans is twofold. A, they can't stop anybody. And B, they've got one of the best running backs in football, and he hasn't been very effective. He's had a couple of good games, but yesterday he only carried the ball 10 times because you have to give it up because you got down uh, to Jacksonville. You didn't score until the third quarter. You're down 13 nothing and a half, right? And before you know it, midway through the third quarter, it's 27 nothing. So you can't. You can't run the ball anymore. So Derrick Henry gets taken out of the game, you know, but Will Levis was fine. But they just did too many three and outs. I think they went uh, they two for seven on third down. You know, they only had 12 first downs the entire game. They, I think they had 235 yards of offense. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence bounces back for with a big game, couple of touchdown passes, takes care of the football. Uh uh, Ridley with 103 yards and a couple of touchdowns receiving. Uh, ATN was was solid on the ground. And uh, so I don't, you know, and they, they, you know, look, Mike Vrabel talked about it after the game, you know. It's a fair question about whether I keep my job or not. But I think it would be foolish uh, for the Titans not to keep him. Uh, the other coaching decision that's going to have to be made, and I think it would not shock me, ladies and gentlemen, and I I may be wrong, but it would not shock me if Brandon Staley of the San Diego Chargers is out of a job this week. Uh, they lose to the Green Bay Packers yesterday, 23-20. to 20. Um, Jordan Love has the best game of his career so far, threw for 322 yards, uh, threw a touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs with, 24, uh, with uh, 233 left. Uh, by the way, he's the first guy to throw for 300 yards for the Packers since Aaron Rodgers did it back in 2021, December 12th of 2021. Um, and uh, the Chargers now have lost six games by a combined margin of 14 points. You've got Justin Herbert, one of the best quarterbacks in football. You've got Austin Eckler who averaged six yards a carry, and you can't win that game? You've got Keenan Allen, who had 116 yards receiving. You can't win that game? Now, it didn't help the Chargers' cause that Joey Bosa uh, left the game in the opening series with some kind of a foot injury, did not come back. But that is a game, if you're the Chargers on the road, if you have any hopes of making the playoffs, that's a game that you have got to win. And the Chargers just continue to find ways to lose close games. 
And how much more, if you're the ownership of the Chargers, how much more do you have to see? At some point, you've got to say, we're losing all these close games. That's where coaching makes a difference. You you know, it's one thing to get blown out every week, but when you have close games and there are some decisions that have to be made in close games and you can't get it done, then I, I, as an owner, I've got to start questioning if I have the right guy or not. 47 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 49 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. Uh, a couple other NFL things. Um, the Rams win. Uh, they have to come back. Uh, they were down late. Uh, they end up beating the Seattle Seahawks uh, 17-16. to The Seahawks miss a uh, 55-yard field goal at the end of the game that would have given the Seahawks the win. But uh, uh, that was a game, uh, again, uh, Matthew Stafford was not great but uh, did enough. Um, the, uh, the Rams lost Cooper cup early in this game. Uh, he did not return Puka Nakua 70 yards receiving and a touchdown. Geno Smith, uh, struggled at times in this game. I don't think Seattle is as good as people think that they are, despite the fact that, uh, they're still over 500. The Rams, I don't think are going to make a late run to make the playoffs. They're four and six now. Um, but they've got Arizona this week. As again, as I said, this NFC is pretty weak. Uh, so if they can beat Arizona this week, uh, you know, they've got a shot. The Seahawks, uh, look, if they're going to have any hopes, they've got to step up, and they've got the San Francisco 49ers uh, coming up this week. Actually, it's coming up. They're playing them on Thursday uh, on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, look, uh, San Francisco uh, has bounced back in a big way. Brock Purdy, everybody was kind of, you know, he had that little string where he was throwing interceptions. Well, yesterday – uh, he helped them beat uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27-14. And as far as NFL metrics go, Brock Purdy was perfect. He had a the best possible quarterback rating, and it is a, it is a bizarre formula that, he, that they use to figure this out. But the best possible quarterback rating that you can have is 158.3. You know, and again, I, I – I, I've looked at it, and it's like it makes my head explode trying to do the math. But just look at the raw numbers. The quarterback rating aside, he was 21 of 25, threw for 333 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, you know, he threw uh, – Brendan Ayuk had 156 yards receiving. He threw his touchdown passes to three different people, McCaffrey, Ayuk, and George Kittle. Um 158.3, the last guy to have a perfect quarterback rating for the 49ers, Joe Montana. So it's been a while. Uh, and, uh, look, it, and it wasn't necessarily that uh, Tampa was horrible in this game. Um, Baker Mayfield did the best that he could, but their defense could not stop the San Francisco 49ers, which I think is going to be a problem for, for a lot of teams. Uh, so that's far, where we're at as far as the uh, NFL goes this week. Uh, a weird week. We've got uh, the game, three games on Thanksgiving Day. For the first time ever, the NFL has a game on the day after Thanksgiving, I don't think there's – on Black Friday, there's never been a game uh, on Black Friday before, but we've got that this week. Miami and the Jets will play uh, on Friday, which is just weird. Uh, and then a, a full slate of uh, Sunday games as well. Uh, the Celtics win again last night. They keep rolling. I believe that's six wins in a row. Uh, they beat the Memphis Grizzlies last night, 102-100. to uh, Porzingis was great, 26 points, including a, uh, a big dunk. 
in the final minute, uh, that was the difference in this one as uh, the Celtics uh, – uh, keep rolling. They wrap up a four-game road trip today, back-to-back days. They will play uh, in North Carolina. They will be against Charlotte uh, this evening, and uh, they are, uh, you know, they they're living up to the hype. Long way to go, and they got to stay healthy. Jalen Brown a little bit shaken up still. A lot of gripes about those uh, the floors. The floors. They're using special floors for that in-season tournament, and a lot of people have complained that they're slippery. I know the Celtics actually petitioned the, uh, the they petitioned the NBA to use their normal floor, and the NBA said no, you've got to use uh, this special floor. And Jalen Brown actually got hurt uh, playing on that floor that night, and and complained about the fact that it was slippery, and he wasn't the only one. So uh, that's something the NBA said that they're looking at because it's not even just the Celtics; it's other teams that have said the same thing. Um, but anyway, uh, the Bruins won on Saturday. They keep rolling. They are thirteen one and two. For a team that everybody thought that was go- that wouldn't even make the playoffs this year, how about that? Uh, the defending national champions in uh, men's basketball, the UConn Huskies, uh, win yesterday. Uh, they uh, beat Indiana by twenty seventy seven to fifty seven. It's part of a uh, a tournament being played, the Empire Classic at Madison Square Garden. They will play against number eighteen Texas tonight uh, in the championship game. That'll tell us a lot, I think, about where this. Uh, uh, this UConn team is that big. The big kid, uh, Donovan Klingon. Tell you what, I've watched him play now a few times this season, and I watched him play all last year. And for a freshman, he was pretty good, but they need him to be a little bit better. And they're talking about this kid maybe leaving UConn at the end of this season, his sophomore season, and going into the NBA. This kid is not NBA ready. Uh, you know, he played against another seven footer yesterday, and uh, you know. Uh, yeah, offensively, he's not much of a factor. He rebounds the ball well. He had nine rebounds. Um, but offensively, the kid's not ready, you know, now he may be by the end of the year. Um, but he's one of those situations where in the old days he'd play in college for four years. And by the time it was ready to be drafted, he'd be ready to go. You know, I think if he leaves at the end of his sophomore season, he's going to end up being in the NBA for a while. And he may, if he has any success at all, it may take him a while, but I worry that if he goes in there before he's ready, uh, he could regress, which would be uh, a problem. So I'd be lobbying for him to stay longer, but, you know, that's just me. I I hate the whole one and two and done and into the NBA thing, but, you know, that's that's just the old man saying, get off my lawn. Uh, the UConn women yesterday, they uh, played in Minnesota. It was a uh, homecoming game for Paige Beckers. She grew up 15 minutes from the uh, uh, arena at the University of Minnesota. Uh, by the way, it's a pretty cool place. Uh, that's one of those places where the uh, the benches are below the court uh it's called the barn it's it's a pretty cool place we played there uh with the men's basketball team when i was at sacred heart it's a pretty cool place to play um but uh she did not have a great game i mean she uh, only shot four of 12 in the field but she had uh uh 12 points eight rebounds four assists couple of block shots i mean uh, a couple of steals i mean she had her usual all-around game just wasn't very sharp but they beat uh, minnesota 62 to 44 uh and uh yukon uh, will play this coming weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. They will play uh, number three UCLA and Kansas on Friday and Saturday uh, in the Cayman Islands. So, uh, and uh, Iowa lost over the weekend. So, uh, depending on what happens this week, UConn might find themselves very quickly into the top two or three uh, in women's college basketball. 
That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I'm not exactly sure what our schedule looks like this week. I'm checking in with Dan Zampano uh, today to find out what he wants to do as far as uh, his spot. We might actually have him on prior to Thanksgiving to cover the Thanksgiving games as well as everything over the weekend, but I'm going to check in with him today. I'll let you know more about that tomorrow. Hey, it's Josh Turner's 46th birthday today, so in honor of his birthday, here's a little uh, his biggest hits called Your Man. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.